this week. So we we got a lot of things that um, if you look at the the table of contents, you'll see there's a lot of information here. And so we have not even touched module number um, module 101 yet. We haven't touched it, but we'll get to it tonight. Um, but there are little things that we need to go over. We want to go over our purpose statement, vision statement, faith statement, and value statement. We touched on those last week, and we will just review real quick because I don't want anything to escape us. I want everything that we are talking about, I want us to be on one accord. I want us to be in tune with what we're talking about because it is essential. It is important. This will help you be exactly what you need to be in Christ because you will have the teaching, the information, um, the instruction as to what you must do in order to be who God called you into his kingdom to be. So our purpose statement last week, we talked about our purpose statement, why we exist. And we and we said this purpose statement is individual and collective as the body of Christ. It's individual and collective as the body of Christ as to why we exist. And so the first reason why we exist is to bring people to a relationship with Jesus Christ and membership in his church. To bring people to relationship with Jesus Christ and membership in his kingdom. If we will keep thoughts on that for a good minute there, we will realize that there's there's some work to be done. If we exist to bring people to a relationship with Jesus and membership of his kingdom, then we've got work to do. It means there are things we are supposed to be doing. That word bring is full and rich and has a lot of meaning there. The, the next uh, um, thing we mentioned um, for our purpose, why we exist, is to develop people to be Christ-like, to be mature. So when people come to know Christ, then the next thing is they must begin to grow to maturity in Christ. Okay, that's the second thing. The third thing is then as they grow in maturity, then they need to be equipped to be servants of Christ. So when they become mature enough, then they need to be servants of Christ. So that means that you can't be a servant until you are mature in Christ. Amen? All right. The fourth thing is to help them carry out their mission, which is to evangelize. So we say that at the end of everything, at the end of it all, all of us are supposed to be living for Christ in some way, shape, or form, sharing Christ with people. So that's the long-term goal. So however you do it, it doesn't matter. So that's where we get pastors, teachers, ministers, evangelists, apostles, prophets, Sunday school teachers, we can go on and on and on that the life journey after we mature will be how do I continue to share Christ with individuals? And you do it in different ways because we all have different gifts and different talents. And so we're supposed to be, sh be sharing Christ with others just in different ways. 
If you're in the nursing home and you belong to this church, you're supposed to be sharing Christ in the nursing home. <laughs> because it's, 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 our, it's our ultimate goal in walking with Christ and living for Christ is to share him with others. So there is no ministry that we're supposed to be doing that prevents or hinder us from sharing Christ with others. Everything we do should some way, shape, or form as we mature, should some way, shape, or form in, include that ultimate goal, and that is to share the mission, which is of Jesus Christ. All right, so those are the four things why we exist, our purpose. Then we talk about vision statement, what we intend to do, and we talk to that what we intend to do is to build a body of believers who through faith, commitment, and consistent personal growth saturate our city, all local areas, and foreign lands with the gospel of Jesus. So again, our ultimate vision and what we intend to do is to build a body of believers. Everything we do in our local congregation is to become mature enough and grow in faith and commitment, consistency, personal growth, and, and saturate where we are, where we are with the gospel. And then hear this, and even places where we're not. So that's why this church gives the global missions. This, that's why this church supports other churches that are being planted all across the U.S. and Canada because we will take care of business locally, doing it ourselves, but we will also take care of business nationally and internationally because it's our job to say we're going to make sure people come to believe and know who Jesus is. So that's our mission as a body of believers, and we have to understand that vision is how we move forward. Then the other thing is our faith statement, what we believe. Now, this is going to be a little bit challenging for some of you because some of you might say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, the good news about the teaching that we're going to go through is it's all scripturally based. It's not anything that we're, we're not indoctrinating you in a culture. We're not indoctrinating you in some kind of false religion. We are teaching you the word of God. So everything that we will read and everything that we will go through, it will be the word of God. So we believe the Bible is the infallible word of God and the authority for salvation and Christian living. So we went over that and we said, if you don't believe this Bible is the infallible word of God, then you are in a little bit of trouble in trying to follow along what this book is saying. So basically, I guess what is, is best to be said about that is you can't believe some of the Bible and not other parts of the Bible. Either you believe the Bible or you don't believe the Bible. It's not, it's not possible to, to believe some of the Bible and, and not all of the Bible. What I always say, there is, you can't be half pregnant. And some people try to believe the Bible almost in that fashion, half pregnant. There's no such thing. Either you're pregnant or you're not. And so when it comes down to the Word of God, either you believe the Word of God or you don't. But there is no in-between. 
Well, I believe that, but I don't know about that. And so there are times where people are saying, I believe in, in certain portions of the Bible, but I don't believe on laying hands and people being healed. Well, brother, well, sister, it's unfortunate that you believe some part, not all of it, because all of it is infallible. It's the infallible word of God. We believe there's only one God. And we have scripture that we went over and proved and we will continue to go through that. There is, there is only one God. We believe everyone has sinned and needs salvation, which comes by grace through faith based on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We believe that. And so this is why you always hear me teach and say that we don't need to be ashamed and embarrassed for sin. What we need to do is seek Jesus and repent of our sins because all have sinned. And, and believe me, we, we, we still, we are still growing, but I just have to say it over and over. Be careful when you look at other people's sin and because it's not your sin, you feel like, how could they? Well, somebody's looking at your sin and say, how could you? <laughs> That, that, that is, that is so profound. It's simple, but it's profound. So when we go to begin to look at some people's situations, says, I can't believe that they would do that and they've been in church this long. Well, guess what? You don't even know when you're probably messing up and they're looking at you and saying, and you act like you're so holy and look at you. So if we will always keep in our mind that all have sinned, you know what it would help us to do? Not to worry about anybody else. Because all have sinned. So that, that's what we believe. We believe all have sinned. We believe the saving gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose again. We obey the gospel and we have scriptures that talk about it. By repentance, that's death. When you repent, that's death. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, burial, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, resurrection. And so we have scriptures that teach us. That's why we believe that. We believe it because the Bible says so. And we know the Bible is the infallible word of God. As Christians, we believe we are to love God and others. Now, let me throw that in. We should love God and love others as we love ourselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, however you will treat yourself because you love yourself, that's how you're supposed to treat someone else. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself needing mercy because you realize you messed up, you should be showing somebody mercy because you need mercy. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we got to love others like we love ourselves. So we love God. And we love others as we love ourselves. We believe the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing and so many other spiritual gifts, are for the church today. Not for way back then, over 2,000 years ago. It's still for the church today. God is still healing. We believe our worship is to be directed to God with lifted hands, with thanksgiving, with righteousness and in holy offering, through the dance, with singing and music, and a voice of triumph. So in this kind of church that you're in, all of what we do, running around, just praising God, lifting our hands, 
praising God, dancing, praising God, singing, playing instrument, praising God. It's all biblical things that the Bible commands and we do them. We believe in the Great Commission as outlined in Matthew 28, 19, and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and compassion. So when you read Matthew 28 and 19, it talks about going into all the world and teach, which means to make disciples, and we have taught about that, so we won't get too deep into that, but we believe that. Value statement. What we practice or what we should be practicing. Is that page six? All right, just just making sure. Making sure you all not making it. Um, all right, page six. Spiritual habits should be practiced. We have human habits, but we need to have spiritual habits. And spiritual habits are things like being born again of the warden of the spirit. Uh-huh. Between birth and maturity, there must be discipline, discipleship, establishment of good habit patterns. This is true not only in the natural life, but also in the spiritual life. And so you always hear me talk about that, and I have a really good lesson on how um, uh, how a baby is 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 conceived and 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 gestated in the womb and then delivered. How that process happened is exactly how the spiritual process happened for someone that's being born spiritually. Exactly, no different. It, it runs parallel. So whatever happens in the natural, there's a spiritual explanation or a spiritual teaching behind that. So when someone is being born again spiritually, it's, it, it, it will mirror the natural point of view as well. And so that is the way God has designed it. He, he taught us spiritual things or made us familiar with natural things, I should say. So when he introduced spiritual things to us, we wouldn't be so dumbfounded. We will have some idea of what he's trying to tell us because we have some natural understanding. Amen? So the process of maturity, the process of maturity. I love this because... It makes us pay attention to our life in Christ. So the process of maturity is first baby. When you are born again, so we know when you are born, you repent of your sins, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It means you have been born into the kingdom of God. You need all three to take place to say, I'm born into the kingdom of God. When that is completed, it means you are now a babe in Christ. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean that you're living the life now. It means you're a babe in Christ. And what does babies do? They cry for what they want. So if you've been born into the kingdom of God, and you're still walking around the church saying they don't pay any attention to me and nobody used me to do this and this doesn't happen. It means you're crying for what you want. And so you're answering your own question without asking the question. 
Because if you're walking around crying about stuff, it means you're a baby and a baby can't take care of nothing but cry and hope somebody come and take care of them. <laughs> so that's the first step. Once you're born again, you're a babe in the kingdom. And it's okay for you to cry and see what you want. We'll take care of you. We're supposed to be good parents. God is your father and the church is your mother. And so we're supposed to make sure you're taken care of. And when we're not doing a good job, you cry and we attend to you. But it means that you won't be singing up here. It means that you won't be teaching Sunday schools. It means that you won't be ushered because you're a babe. You can't do anything. But as you start to grow, because we feed you good milk, you know, as you start to grow and, you know, we making sure we're working with you. And so now you become a child, you know, and heading to teen. Then guess what? You start to do some things on your own. Yeah? Starting to do some things on your own. And so that's when you can now get a little bit involved because you can do some things on your own. Okay? And I'll make it simple. So some things you can do on your own, you can walk around and say, ooh, there's uh, tissue on the floor. Let me pick that up. You start to do some things on your own. You can look around and say, boy, the floor is dirty. Anyone see the vacuum? Let me vacuum. <laughs> you can do some things on your own. You can say, hey, do you need me to help pass some paper out? Hey, do you, you see the Sunday school teacher? You can say, hey, you teach Sunday school. Do you need any help? That's, that's when you're a child becoming a teenager. You start to look to see where you can do something. Nobody tell you. You just look to see where you can help out because why? You can do a little bit now and take care of yourself. You won't be having responsibility, but you will be helping out. Isn't that what kids do? Right? Kids help you out. Hey, go get me that thing from upstairs. Tell my son all the time because I know he loves to touch electronics. My Apple Watch upstairs, and I need to charge it. My charger downstairs, hey, Jordy, come get my watch. And he likes that because he just want to play. From the time of going from upstairs to downstairs, he got to play with the watch, take pictures. They got to take pictures. I just keep seeing their faces on all the electronics. I don't know what happened. But but the bottom line is, hey, get my. he'll come and get my watch and go and set it on the charger because he can do that. He's not responsible for anything. He just can run some errands, do some stuff. Likewise, we as the seasoned mature adults in Christ that is spiritually can say, hey, come here, I need you to help me with this. Just like I call the kids and say, I need you to help with this. We can say, come on, I need you to help with this. So it's, it's our responsibility as mature Christian adults spiritually to bring somebody along with us and say, hey, I need your help. Because they're a child, they don't know. But they have the energy to help. You're a little quiet. We understand? So so a baby can't do anything. We have to take care of the baby. So when they're born again, they're babies. We got to take care of them. But when they become a child and teenager, we can now start to tell them, hey, I need your help. They can assist us. And as we know, some children sometimes is a little bit more mature than the average kid their age. Maybe we can do a little bit more with them. But... It's up to the mature adult to say, hey, I need your help. Come on, help me with this. Don't see them running around. It's, it's, it's all good in this church. Let me take the time to say this. It's all good in this church to say, hey, come here. As long as you respect our kids, 
You have the right to call him over as a mature Christian, not just as a kid, as a mature Christian to call him over and says, I'm going to need you to help me out with this. And you have the right to speak to them and check them. Can I tell you, I got four kids that you'll see in this church from time to time, two adults and two kids. If you see my kids not doing right, call them over. Hey, you know, that's not right. And if they disrespect you, you come see me. Say, I talked to your kid. They didn't listen. So I'm just letting you know that this is what they've done. And I'm still old school. They get lit up. They get disciplined or they get lit up. So I will decide whether or not they get punished, take away stuff from them. They can't do certain things or they're getting a beating. I decide that. So I'm telling you that for my kid. But I'm saying that so you also understand kids are kids, spiritual and natural. Kids are kids, spiritual and natural. And so just like how in the natural, the young kids, we see them, we got to say, come here, I need your help with this. And I've always said to the kids, and I practice this, I don't disrespect you, I don't expect you to disrespect me. And so if we will respect the kids when we're trying to deal with them, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. If we don't talk to them rude, if we don't talk to them disrespectful, and they disrespect us, we have every right to say, now that's what, that was disrespectful, and you need to apologize. Don't worry about who's around, as long as you know you're doing it right. Don't worry about who's saying what, just as long as you know you're doing it right. We got to train our kids up the right way. I don't know what the world is like this day, but the Word of God already told us that if we, if we, if we spare the rod, we're going to spoil the child. And we're not saying we're going to beat them, but we're going to use the rod as correction, the rod of correction. And so if we don't correct our kids, we're no, we're no different from the world. We, we can't be Christians and, 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 and not do Christian things. So we can't turn a blind eye to our kids being disrespectful. We have to make sure we deal with our kids when they're disrespectful. So please, let's treat it in the natural and in the spiritual. So when in the spiritual you see someone that's been living for God, but you can tell that they're still like a babe, Bring them along. Come here. Help me out with this. And when they become older, they become adults. Now, when you become an adult, what do you do? You provide for others. So, from my perspective, a lot of times, I smile because we're all going to... We like to use our tenure in the kingdom... To determine our adulthood. Yeah, we do. Our tenure is, is going to tell our adulthood, but that's not true. Uh-huh. Because we can be in the church a long time, and just because we weren't involved, and because we didn't, you know, do what was required of us, we never matured. So we're operating... Uh, immaturely right and so we can look around and say man they've been in church a long time they should be blah 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 that's why you got get yourself in trouble see you're getting yourself in trouble they've been in church a long time they should know better you're getting yourself in trouble why should they know better you tell me why they should know better because they've been in church a long time don't we have kids that just never caught on for a long time in the natural, let's go back to the natural. Don't we have kids that we're like, 
man, you're still doing the same. Isaiah, can't we go back in the hood and we see the same people still out there hustling? They 40 years old, 50 years old and still on the block. So why we get all worked up in church when someone's been in church 10 years and they're not serving in church? What's the difference? It's no different. We, the Lord told us we had the natural so we would understand the spiritual. And so if someone's been in church 10 years and they're not serving, it just simply means they have not done what they should have done to grow up and mature. That don't mean you hold against them. That don't mean you treat them bad. It just means you have some wisdom to know how to treat them. That's when you say, you come with me. <laughs> you don't even realize that. So you don't, you don't have to get mean to treat me. You just say, yo, you come with me. And you don't say one word, because in your mind, if you're a mature Christian, you know they're not mature, and they should be mature. How do you help a teenager out? Bring them along with you and ask them to do stuff. But what we do normally, sit back, I can't mess with her. She's been in church 15 years. There ain't nothing change about her. She bad news. Leave her alone. That's how we operate, and I feel bad. I was telling someone the other day that I learned over the years in my Christian walk to work with every kind of people. I wouldn't be standing here in front of you tonight if I didn't learn how to work with every kind of people. Easy to work with people, difficult people, mean people non-spiritual people, backbiting people. You just keep going. I've learned to work with them all. Why did I learn to work with them all? Because my focus was never them. My focus was always the kingdom. My focus was always the kingdom. And whatever I'm doing is to fulfill the purpose of, of the kingdom of God, not my own. And if God bring us together, what he normally say is, you have everything you need among you to do what I want you to do. Did you know that? And what's the scripture we normally use? Oh, you know, good preachers use the scripture that says, Moses, what's in your hand? Uh-huh. He thought he had nothing. He had all the excuse in the world. What you got in your hand, Moses? He thought he just had a little stick. Let's stick here. And the Lord showed him you had everything you need. And so the bottom line is when God put his church together, his local assembly, we have everything we need. If we're not fulfilling the purpose of God is because we're holding back, not God. For every step of the way we will take, for every place we will go as a church, we have what we need to get it done. Everything. If it's money, we've got it. If it's if it's uh, ability, we've got it. If it's the gifting of the spirit, we've got it. If it's an intellect, we've got it. Whatever it is, we've got it. Because God don't call you to do nothing that you, that He didn't equip you to do. We don't serve no crazy God. So if we become kingdom minded, and what we're trying to accomplish is about fulfilling the purpose and will of God for his kingdom, then you can work with anybody. She crazy though. 
She don't listen. She all over the place. You tell her to go right, she go left. Okay. Got to work with her some kind of way. And, 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 and what's my favorite scripture to tell you how that work? Judas walked with Jesus three and a half years. He did everything they did and act like he was rolling with them, but he was stealing the money. And the whole time, Jesus never said one word to him. Why are you saying something about so-and-so? Why so-and-so driving you so crazy that you got to say something? And Jesus had a thief rolling with him. And he was supposed to be a disciple, an apostle, stealing the money, rolling with the king of kings and the lord of lords, rolling, seeing all the miracles. And he still was stealing the money. And Jesus never walked over to him and says, yo, man, you think I'm slow? Because that's me. You think I'm slow or something? You really think I'm slow? You, you don't think I know you're taking the money? Nah, I would have probably said that. I would have probably said that. Like, I'm the king of kings. I'm the all-knowing God. And you think, I don't know you're stealing the money. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus never said a one mumbling word to Judas. Woo. Only Jesus. But my point is, those are some of the lessons I learned throughout the scripture to learn we need to work with everybody. Figure it out. Because your goal and your focus is the kingdom, not for you to look good, not for us to celebrate you. Look at what you've done, because whatever you do for Christ, he will reward you. Don't worry about the preacher. Don't worry about the congregation. Now, I hope I'm, I'm in tune enough to make sure I celebrate my brothers and sisters when they do well. I hope I don't drop the ball on that. But if I do. Just know who you get your reward from, and he will never drop the ball. Never. Never drop the ball. So we just got to try to work with everybody as best as we can because everybody has a place in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say this. The devil worked for the Lord, and we don't realize it. Yeah. The, the Lord allowed him to be loose. Why? Because he's supposed to sharpen us. What do I always tell you? We need resistance in order to build anything. The other day, I was trying to figure out what good exercise, you know, to do to get rid of mid midsection. My midsection, you know, I know you got you, you know, not yours. We need your midsection to get big. But, 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 but I'm like, Lord, you know, you get a certain age. The midsection, man, you just drink some spring water in the mid midsection. I'm um, just like, yo, what happened, man? I just drank some water. So it get out of control easy. You got to watch everything you eat. And so I was trying to read. I said, I need to do an exercise that really just affect my midsection directly. And I never got any real true exercise with that. But they did say this. Do exercise of resistance. That's the point I'm trying to get to. So do exercise of resistance. So whatever you do to try to lose weight in your midsection, make sure it's an exercise that as you exercise, there's a resistance. So they, I finally got to the, um, they have these balls with these rings on it where it's, you know, it's weight and you go like this. Yeah, the kettlebell. I said, I got to figure out a way to get some resistance right in the gut. So I got found it. But, but the point is, the point is, don't miss the point. The point is we need resistance to make us better. 
We need resistance to make us stronger. And we don't realize it. So the Lord knew that all along. He allowed the devil to be the devil. And any time he wanted, he could shut him down. Chain him and say, you're done. He never does it. Because we need resistance. Yes, yes, Brother Kellerman. Submission and resistance. Yes, sir. So we need to submit and we need resistance. We need the devil to challenge us. We need challenges to be better. So take it in stride when you have a great challenge to do something for the Lord. All right, let me move forward. Now we're talking about, we're still talking about our value statement, what we practice. Okay, here are five things real quick that we'll run through what we need to practice. The first thing is, um, and I'm going to start this up. I, I am not consistent with this, and this is me, and I don't like that. I, I get so busy sometimes that I'm not consistent with this. The first thing is, we have to make sure we do is private devotion and prayer time. Here is what I want to introduce to you going into 2020. Brother Dibble and I was talking about this, and I just think it's tremendous, and probably eventually we can get to the point of sharing with one another. But I think we need to start with um, our devotion in the morning. And I got to say morning because it's not effective. It's not as effective any other time. Got to be honest with you. You can do it any other time. It just won't be as effective because you need to do it in the morning to deal with the challenges of that day. You do it any other time, okay, things are going to happen that day that you might be all discombobulated and out of whack because you didn't prepare yourself thoroughly to deal with that day. So devotion should really be in the morning. And I'm not even going to put a time on it because you know your schedule. You know what you can do. But you just have to do a certain amount of time that will be effective. And here is what I would like for us to do. I would like for us to, when we get up in the morning, to take enough time to pray, to read the Bible, and to journal or write down what you got from your reading. If you really want to help yourself. You don't have to read a lot. So forget about it. You notice I haven't given you the bread Bible in a few years because the bread Bible, sometimes it just becomes you're doing something to just follow a program and, 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 and you start missing out on what you're reading because you're saying, I got to read these three chapters. So if I got to read the whole Bible in a year, I got to read these three chapters. I don't want to do that anymore. So it will be nice if you decide, you know what? In the morning, maybe I read a half a chapter or something. Maybe I read a quarter chapter or something. Maybe I read a whole chapter or something. That's on you. But you pray, you read, you meditate, and you write down what you feel like you got from what you read. And if we can do that constantly, you will grow. The first sermon I preached wasn't because... I was preparing a sermon. The first sermon I preached was from studying my Bible and writing down what I'm studying. And so the, the time when the pastor came to me and says, I want you to preach Sunday night, I knew exactly what I was preaching. Because he never told me I was a preacher. He never told me I was ever going to preach. 
But what I did do is have devotion with myself. And so I would read and I would write down stuff that I'm learning. Man, yeah, this is what it's saying. And so the day when the man of God said, you're going to preach tonight. He told me I'm going to preach tonight after the morning service. Can you imagine if I wasn't reading and studying my Bible? What would have happened? But the Lord knows. So I'm, just, I'm probably just going to leave it there. The Lord knows. Because the Lord probably would have never had him come to me if I wasn't doing that. But the Lord knows. And so when he told me that, I was ready. Topic of the sermon, we're not of this world. First message I ever preached, we are not of this world. It's all my reading that, man, look at that. And it came out to be a whole bunch of writing that I did. And it turned out to be my first sermon I ever preached. So private devotion is very important. We need to do that. Um, the other thing is study the word of God, which the private devotion and study the word of God make them one in the same. Okay. Because if you, if, if you read and, and, and you're getting something from it, sometimes you might have to skip over to another, uh, similar text to see, you know, what it's saying. Um, we talk about how to study your Bible. One of the main things to study your Bible, how to study your Bible is, um, a thing called, um, first mention, first mention. Uh, when you're studying your Bible and you're trying to see what a word really means, what, what, what you can gather from it, what the scripture's trying to tell you about it, just go to where it was first mentioned in the Bible. So if I'm in, if I'm in Matthew trying to study something and I'm trying to learn something about it, I need to look through the concordance. Where was the first place this was mentioned in the Bible? And if it was mentioned in Genesis, then I need to leave Matthew and go to Genesis where it was first mentioned and said, what was said the very first time this word was mentioned? One of the, uh, the, 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 the words that always come to mind with that is worship. Worship. The first time worship was mentioned in the Bible was when Abraham took his son Isaac and said he was going to sacrifice him. Well, he didn't say any of that. He said he was going and he was going to worship the Lord. Now, he had already heard from God that says he was going to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him. But 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 what God said, sacrifice him. And Abraham says, I'm going to go worship God. So so. Worship will always have to do with something sacrificial. That's the point. You're studying your Bible. What does worship mean? We can get into a lot of you know, nuance of what worship really means. But if you want to really understand, if you really want to just get straight to the point of what does it mean? The first time it was mentioned, it was mainly about sacrifice. So if I'm going to worship God, I can't worship God without some kind of sacrifice being involved. It's not possible because the first time man ever worshiped God, a sacrifice was in, was involved. And so today we know the only sacrifice that you can offer God ain't no animals because that's gone. So you are the sacrifice, the living sacrifice. So when you're worshiping God, you're giving yourself a sacrifice to God. Right? So, so that's what I mean by, I, that's why I don't want to encourage you to go read a whole chapter. Just read a few verses and something might jump out. Oh man. And then you have to dig a little bit, but you're writing. This morning I read this scripture. And it said, blah, blah, blah. And I understood, blah, blah, blah. And I even turned over to Matthew and Matthew said this. And you just leave it at that. 
So now you can walk that day in total confidence. You, you, you connected with Jesus Christ. You, you, you have some understanding of his word. You know that you're ready for anything that comes your way because you prepared yourself. We got to stop living on the defensive and live on the offensive. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because we just keep on trusting that, well, God will take care of me. Well, what about God wanting you to do something? You know, we keep living just figuring if something happens to me or something try to, you know, overtake me, God will take it. No, no. We need to leave our homes with purpose every day. Not leave it saying, I know I'm good. God's going to take care of me. No, I'm leaving with purpose. I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking to do something. I'm looking to give God honor and glory. I'm not looking just, God, you got my back. I know he got my back. The third thing is faithfulness to God's house. That's very important. Um, I'll go back to, don't get offended. I'm just using truth. I'll go back to the baby, child, and adult. Here is something real practical for me to say to you. The chances of you showing and demonstrating that you are being responsible and, and, and doing for others will usually happen in the four walls when you come into the house of the Lord as opposed to you staying home and cook, as opposed to you staying home and study. And studying is good. You might be studying the Word of God. But studying the Word of God is not helping somebody. Studying the Word of God is not doing something to help somebody else. So a lot of times, this is what I say. Little things, as you learn, you will realize. This is what I say sometimes. If you decide that Church attendance is not that important. Here's what I say in my mind. They haven't become an adult yet. You just don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't say anything to them. I'm just telling you what the, the facts are. Because whatever else you're doing is probably to benefit you when you don't come. You're being a child. You're, you're saying, give me, give me, give me. Or you're saying, I'm just going to live to please myself. Because that's, that's, what, that's what the kids do. They live to please themselves. Anybody know anything about that? Go check all the young people. They're not worried about you. They are worried about trying to do them. So when we are trying to do us, we're just being children in church, in the spiritual. But when we look forward to come, to say, I'm coming tonight because I want to worship God. I'm coming tonight because I want to minister to somebody. I'm coming tonight because I want to serve the Lord. I'm coming tonight because I want to do something for somebody and not just do something for myself. That's a mature Christian. Uh-huh. So we can come up with all the excuses to say this is what we do and not do, but the truth is the truth, and we can't get away from it. Sharing your faith. Very important. We got to know that we got to share our faith. We'll talk a whole lot about sharing our faith all the time. Sharing your faith. We know that's important. Um, Acts twenty-two fifteen: For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. That's what Jesus told the Apostle Paul. 
You're going to be a witness for me what you've seen and heard. Um, so we got to be a witness for him. We got to share our faith. Here's another one. Daily application of biblical principles. Strive to please God alone. Strive to please God alone. God is holy and desire us to be holy also. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Spiritual maturity comes through daily living the word of God. Spiritual maturity no longer living to please self, but living to please God. So, understand this. When we decide I'm not assembling tonight, even though my local congregation is assembling, I'm pleasing me. Just understand that. You got to be willing to take the responsibility. When I decide that I'm not going to assemble, I got to do me. I'm, I'm doing my business at that point. Not unless that, that night you ministered in a nursing home, you ministered in a jail, you're teaching a Bible study in somebody's home, something that you're doing. If you're not doing that, just understand you're doing what you would like and not what God wants. That's just the way it is. No need to get worked up and upset about it. Just making sure you understand it. Yes, sir. That, that's part of our scriptures that we will go over, and that's true. That, that, that we, we just have to stop and say, am I trying to please God, or am I trying to please myself, or I'm trying to just please somebody else? That's all we got to ask ourselves when we live this life. Who am I trying to please? Who am I trying to impress? And we will know. Romans 6, 16, know ye not that? To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You will be a servant to the master you obey. So we got to know that. We have to know that. Whatever we are obeying, we become servants to that. Uh-huh. Ultimate goal of every Christian to live in such a way to bring glory to God. Does your life bring glory to God? I love this. Ready for this? God sees the heart, but man cannot. <laughs> this is serious now. This is serious. God sees the heart, but man cannot. There must be an inward holiness in order to please God. However, there must be an outward holiness to bring glory to God before man. We like to say, I'm holy. And holiness is within. Okay, but who can see within? <laughs> who, who can see within? Only God. So if all I'm going to do is live a holy life on the inside, nobody else will know I'm holy but God. But here's the thing. I thought God wanted us to reach man. 
Huh? I thought, I thought, I thought God wanted people to see us and see Christ in us. I, I thought that's what He wants. Well, if that's what He wants, then at some point, if I'm holy on the inside, it has to come out in how I look on the outside. Because God is the only one that sees the inside. And I need people to see the outside too. Of course, I try to make things practical all the time. And of course, I always say, I go to the Middle East and I watch these people not knowing the the one true living God, but they make sure they distinguish themselves of what religion they represent. And so many others are going to say, what? You you have an answer for me over this, Sister Scarlett, what some of them say? Anybody want to tell me what some of the other people say? When, 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 when they're faced to say you have the, 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 the Muslims that's saying, I'm going to distinguish myself that I'm a Muslim from everybody. I want the world to know I'm Muslim. So I'm going to look a certain way. I know I'm Muslim from within. And I know I pray three times a day. I know I pray to Allah. I know all that. But I want everybody else to know that too. And then you get the Christians. That's supposed to serve the one true and living God. And nobody can see the distinction between the Christian and everybody else. But the Christian is okay with that. I don't know. I'm just saying. Just saying. Because the bottom line is, I can't. I just refuse to let people that are following false teaching outdo me that's following the truth. I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm, I'm convicted if I, if I let it happen. I really am. I'm convicted in my heart if I can see a Muslim walking around praying to an unknown false god and, and, and giving themselves to an unknown false god and wearing clothes that says, I belong to this unknown false god. And I know the true and living God who is demonstrating his power in my life every day. And I'm afraid to look a certain way to say, I believe in the true and living God. And that's why I look this way. Oh, man, that ain't hard. That ain't hard. I, I'm, I'm doing it. Because I just, I just know what God is all about. And this is about if I'm holy from the inside, which is where holiness starts. And that's why sometimes people can be holy. Listen to me carefully. I don't want you to misunderstand me. People can be holy inside and it has not yet come on the outside. Yes. Remember, we talk about the process. Baby, kids, and adult. That's the process. And so you can be a kid, holy on the inside, but the holiness haven't come out on the outside yet. But it's coming, right? It'll come. But we can't be an adult that is mature and say we're holy on the inside and we can't see it on the outside. Something ain't right. And instead of you fight with yourself or fight with other people, You just have to stand before God and say, God, help me to understand this. Because how can I be, how can I know that I'm holy on the inside, but it doesn't come out on the outside? 
and go back to just natural behavior. What is this? I think some of the nurses say this. You can't take in something that never come out. If not, you'll die. If you eat and you can't relieve yourself, what's going to happen to you? So in the natural, God has already shown us what's on the inside. Still got to come out on the outside. It's, it's so clear, but, but, but when we don't want to do something, or when we just want to please us, we, 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 we kind of fix it the way we want to fix it because we want to please us. But in the natural, it teaches us that whatever is on the inside, sooner or later, got to come out on the outside. That's in the natural. Well, it got to be like that in the spiritual. Sooner or later, it got to come out on the outside. So if I'm only on the inside, sooner or later. Yes, yes, Lord. Holiness from God is of the inner man. However, it will affect your total external expression, including actions, attitudes, smiles, words, and appearance, modest, moderation. So when we're holy on the inside, it will affect everything about us. Because it's Jesus on the inside. Because that's who's holy, the Holy One, Jesus Christ. That's who's on the inside, and he works on the inside till it come on the outside. So our attitude is going to say we're holy. Our smile is going to say we're holy. What we say is going to say we're holy. Our parents will say we are. Uh-huh. The church is the New Testament. The church in the New Testament is called Ecclesia. The called out ones, the church, people who have been called out of the life of sin to live a holy, holy to please God. (laughs) So you got to be whole and you got to be holy. But the bottom line is, this this is what I will close with. And next week we will jump on module 101. We'll talk. I will just go straight to understanding who God is in module 101 next week but the bottom line is the bottom line is when we say we are holy on the inside it's going to come out on the outside we can't be holy on the inside and it not come out on the outside all right i think <laughs> Your body is the temple of God that houses his spirit. Your body is not a temple. It's not a shack. (laughs) Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And we got to realize that that is God on the inside. And we need to live a life that is pleasing unto him. Any questions? Done. 830. Any questions? Why are you all laughing? 8.30, I'm done? Serious business. All right. You want to pray with me before we go? Pray that the word that God just echoed in this place, that somehow it causes something to transpire within us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us tonight, Lord God, that what you have echoed through your word, will reverberate in our heart and mind. It will transform us. 
we will have a new look, a fresh look on the Word of God and apply the Word of God to our life in a way that we've never applied it. Help us, Lord, for we don't want to keep the commandments grievously, but we want to keep the commandments with joy. We want to keep the commandments because we love you. Lord, we don't want to keep the commandments, oh God, because it's a hard thing and we doing it just so we can make it in. Father, I pray that tonight's word will help us to grow, will help us to mature. And everything that we've heard here tonight, Lord God, we will become doers and not just hearers. Uh, oh God, help us that we will not allow this word to make us discouraged. Because the devil want to tell us that we can't do it. The devil want us to think that we can't be who you called us to be. But I rebuke every thought of the devil. I rebuke every thought of the adversary. I come against every contrary thought of what the word of God has just spoken into our hearing. That Lord Jesus, we will become doers. No matter how hard it will be, no matter how much we have to push through, that we will become doers because, Lord, we want to be who you want us to be. Will you help us tonight, Lord God? Will you strengthen us tonight, Lord God? That the word, Lord Jesus, will reign and rule supremely in our hearts and minds and that we can grow to full maturity in Christ Jesus, that we will be whole in body, soul, mind, and spirit, and that we will be holy as you are holy. Lord, touch us in a special way tonight. As we go from this place, we pray that you will keep us as we think and meditate on these words. Bring us back again together safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget this Sunday is our 